0: The Press Pass on WKXL is presented by the Prescription Center, where the health of you and your family comes first. Check out either of their two locations, one at the Concord Hospital Campus, the other 125 North Main Street. The Prescription Center will also deliver prescriptions to you free of charge. That's the Prescription Center, where the health of you and your family comes first. This is the Press
1: Pass with Chris Ryan.
0: This is where you hear unique conversations with the best athletes, coaches, and general managers in sports. I think you appreciate
2: each and every one, uh, each and every one especially in their own way. And
3: I played with two guys that uh, they were on top of their game on a nightly basis and people get spoiled, you know, they, they so Manny, they so David, so... They, they start taking people
2: for granted. Uh, opportunity for me. I know I need to help my team now, so you know, the better I play, the better it'll be for us. I think it's uh, one of the most important things is focus and the consistency.
0: The Patriots start to make some moves. Red Sox get spring training underway in the Cs and Bs. Will they continue to roll? Celtics honoring Kevin Garnett and Cedric Maxwell in just a little bit says Garnett is the greatest all-around Celtic player ever. We'll discuss coming up. Just a little bit. This is the Press Pass. I am Chris Ryans. The Boston Red Sox began spring training with some good news and some bad news. The good news is there's baseball. And just a few weeks ago, that did not appear as it was going to happen. So we'll take that and be happy with it. The Boston Red Sox will be starting the 2022 season, though, without Chris Sale. And granted, given Sale's history with the Red Sox and his injury history with the Red Sox, that is should not be all that Surprising to folks, but still, it was a hope that this was going to be, you know, a season where Sale after Tommy John came in strong and really took, you know, the the bull by the horns and became the dominant ace of this staff. And that's not going to happen. Sale is probably not going to pitch until mid May now at this point and be delayed a month. He has a stress fracture in his rib cage, which is obviously painful and problematic. Um, and Sale will not start the season for the Boston Red Sox. In fact, will miss several weeks. Red Sox still sorting things out as well in the free agent market, rumored to be around and in on a lot of players, but we haven't seen them sign really any players yet. They're taking a chance on some low-risk, high-reward starters. James Paxton, Michael Walker, in the mix there. And Red Sox are looking and kicking the tires on a number of other players. Supposedly kick tires on Freddie Freeman. That didn't happen. Red Sox continue to get ready down at spring training in Fort Myers. Patriots continue to get ready as well. The draft is about a month away, and the Patriots re-signed some folks, made some deals, and it looks like there's something big that's coming on the horizon, you know, for the Patriots. They cut Kyle Van Noy. They traded. Shaq Mason pretty much for nothing, and you have to wonder if opening up that type of salary cap space bodes well for a big move on the horizon, or at least setting up the prospect of that. They also brought back three of their biggest leaders, Matthew Slater, who we'll hear from in a second, likely going to the Hall of Fame as a special teamer, and Devin McCourty and James White both coming back as well. We'll hear from White coming up on the show next week. So the Patriots, from a leadership perspective, they're getting those guys back. They still need a deep threat down the field. Big retooling needs to take place at linebacker. They sent uh, Chase Winovich packing uh, as well. And I think that linebacker and also on the D-line are areas where the Patriots are going to look to improve. They said goodbye to J.C. Jackson, who signed a huge contract with the Chargers for over $80 million. But welcoming back... Matthew Slater, and I talked with uh, Slater, who, again, in my view, is headed to the Hall of Fame. He's the best ever at what he does. Here is Matthew Slater.
3: Well, you know, I think there are a number of things that factored into my decision. Uh, I obviously still have a a very, very strong love for this game. And when I say that, I don't don't just mean uh, what happens on Sundays. Uh, I truly enjoy the preparation uh the process of football um more than anything i enjoy the relationships that football has provided me with over the course of the last 14 years and um you know just everything that comes along with it uh, you know i'm a i'm a man now who's still able to play a child's game a game that i've been around for my entire life and just talking with my family um and deciding what was best for us it it felt like that this was Uh, a great opportunity for us to pursue football but then pursue all the things that come along with it and uh, the platform that football gives us as a family to do some things that we're passionate about uh, like the relationship building like the things in the community so it just made sense for our family Um, and all that being said I mean the the, the Patriots had to want me back so I wasn't going to go anywhere else Uh, not that my services would be sought after anywhere else either. Who knows? But I, I certainly appreciate uh, the conversations that I had with coach and where he saw this going and happy it worked out.
0: Hey, Matthew, glad you're back. Um, wanted to ask, you talk a lot about the Patriots culture and you, to me, and given the time you've been here, you and Dev are a huge part of that culture, James White, to coming back. Um, how do you view yourself in, in kind of that lens where, you are a part of what this team is you've established a particular culture, accountability, uh, and so forth. Um, How do you view yourself in that lens? Well,
3: you know, Chris, I think the culture and and what we've created here is bigger than, than any one person. Uh, There's certainly key figures that you can point to like coach and Tom and and Mr. Craft. But I think that uh, as far as how I view myself here, I'm just one man. And, Uh, one man can only do so much. I've tried to um, step up in my roles over the years as best I can and lead to the best of my ability, play to the best of my ability, and continue to carry on the values uh, and and pillars that this place was built upon. Um, You know, we talk so much about what happens on the field, and I do realize that this is a results-driven business, but I think our culture has been uh, really anchored by, Uh, people, relationships, um, just character, toughness, those things that you can't really measure. And I think that the way you go about cultivating those things is day after day, just being consistent, day after day, pouring into people, um, caring about people, and day after day, maximizing the opportunities that you have. I've tried to do that to the best of my ability. I've been very fortunate in that I've had a chance to do it here for an extended period of time. But again, I just think that that's, you know, God blessing me there. There's only so much that I have control over. And then the rest has really been uh, a gift from God. And I'm trying to be a good steward of those gifts. And I'm trying to be a good steward of the opportunities that Mr. Kraft and coach Belichick have given me here. So as far as how I fit in that in that uh, narrative, when you talk about uh, Patriots culture and and that, that's not for me to say. I hope I've done my part and held up my end of the bargain with what I've been asked.
0: And just how closely do you watch the transactions you know, this time of year, see who's getting better, who goes here? Obviously, you know, J.C. Jackson going to uh, the Chargers. How closely do you watch that, kind of gauge who is is where in regard to how good they are at this time of year?
3: Yeah, well, you know, the offseason's great, and we've seen it year after year, teams – uh, they they make a number of exciting, you know, transactions in the offseason, but you know at the end of the day you have to go out and prepare and and improve and execute when, when the time comes. I, the transactions that I do follow are the ones that involve friends, obviously guys like JC, um, guys like Shaq, guys like Chase, Brandon Bold and Yacht. I mean, the, the guys that you have relationships with and that you that you care so much about. Um, this time of year is tough. Uh, it's kind of bittersweet. You're happy to see guys get opportunities and get rewarded for their hard work, but you know that your relationships change when guys change locations and, and go other places. So um, I don't get too caught up in it. I know it's an exciting time for football and an exciting time for fans, uh, and they should enjoy it. But I know as far as us here, we just have to focus on working and, and getting better.
0: Thanks. Welcome back. Thank you. All right, Matthew Slater right there. To the Celtics now. West Coast trip continues for Boston. and Ime Doka has really gotten the best out of this group. And if you watch the Celtics the first two months of the season, you would not have thought that they would be at this point uh, right now where they are an elite NBA team. The best defensive team in the league without question, but an elite NBA team. And, in fact, they have the best record of any team since January 1st, 2022, Celtics the best in basketball. Emey is now looking at, obviously, moving up in the standings, one of his best seat as good a seat as possible going into the postseason, but also starting to get combinations together, thinking of the playoffs, which are just around the corner, about a month away.
2: It has a lot to do with seating, honestly, and those things play into it. Uh, you know, a tight race or
0: you being set in a specific
2: spot already, um, you can kind of tinker with some things. The uh, thing I've mentioned is Derek and, and Daniel, getting them up to speed, and so as much as we can get them in with certain combinations and continue to acclimate them to everything we're doing, that's very important, obviously, being two of our uh, big players off the bench, but health would be overall number one regardless, and so um, you start to find opportunities to limit guys if you can, and as we've mentioned, uh, the increase in minutes and other guys will help with that. So. A little bit of both, but uh, you got at the end of the day, you got to continue to win and keep yourself in the good position that we found ourselves in
0: now. He also talked about if he'd reflected or not on how good this team is defensively.
2: I honestly haven't thought about any of that, and you know, when you're in it and you you see how coaches think this way all the time, how fragile it is, or you know, one thing can, you know, kind of offset what you're doing, and so you stay locked in and in the moment and continue to go game by game. And there are things that we can improve on as well as we've been doing. So those are the things you look at overall. And so our team doesn't get content, complacent or happy with where we're at defensively. We, we feel we can get a lot better in certain ways. You know, every every game we look at holding teams to whatever it is in the first half and there are probably 10, 10 or so points that we kind of give away. So you want to tighten all those things up, one less mistake by each guy. And so no looking ahead or really probably even reflecting on anything until we're done.
0: You're from Celtics Big right now, Rob Williams on Ema's Impact.
4: Uh I didn't know anything about Coach uh Coachy Doka to be honest, or like nothing at all. But um Brad told me uh during the summer, uh, you know, he was gonna try to find us a coach that uh that brings the best out of us, you know. And to be honest, I feel like that's exactly what it is. Um since he got here, you know, even through the struggles, he found a way to bring the best out of each player, you know, so. New staff, new players. We knew it was gonna take time. You know, uh, we knew it was gonna take time. Well, um, actually, we were going through this stretch, uh, um, blowing leads, blowing games. You know, uh, I ran into Coach Doke in the kitchen one day, and I was just like, like, bro, I'm tired of this shit. Like, <laughs> something gotta give. You know what I'm saying? He was just looking at me. He was like, like, we're gonna get it. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna, we're gonna turn it around. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna get on the right path. and uh He believed in it, you know, and I believed in him. He believed in us. That's what it was.
0: On Sunday, the Celtics retired Kevin Garnett's number five. Garnett spent five years with the Celtics. They went to the finals twice, and Garnett's impact was obviously significant in turning around the franchise and pushing the Celtics on a forward path where they were re-legitimized as one of the best franchises in the NBA. And I remember... When Garnett was first traded, he did a press conference with Ray Allen and Paul Pierce. And I walked around the garden with Garnett. And there was no ice in. I think it was the middle of summer. And, you know, basically walking around the concrete floor where the ice would be. And him staring up at the banners. And he was just so amped to get going. And you just had a feeling with those three guys together that something special is going to happen. And it did. The Celtics were 66 and 16 in 2008. Garnett's number went up to the Rafters, number five. And I talked with Cedric Maxwell, who's number 31, hangs up in the Rafters as well about Garnett's impact and legacy. What do you think about Kevin's impact? What stands out to you the most about his time here in Boston?
5: I think the biggest thing, he changed the culture, he changed trajectory. Of an organization that had been flat for a while, and he pumped new life back into him, and it made a franchise that had been the, a legendary franchise believe in itself again.
0: You seen a player with that type of intensity, that was at that high level? Because usually guys like try to you know, try to harness some of that. Like it could be internal, but that guy was insane.
5: Nobody can harness stuff like that. That's like playing with Bird and playing, playing with Kobe, playing with those guys. You can never match your intensity. So Kevin Garnett is a, he's a, a force of nature that comes along once in a while, and and we were at Celtics benefited from it.
0: What's it been like having all these guys come, come back here over the last little bit and seeing this fraternity, these guys that have the numbers up there? What's it been like, particularly
5: coming out of COVID where people haven't been seeing each other the way they have It has been great, you know, to see some of the older guys and the comeback and, you know, the, the organization that's honored them. And now we feel like we're bringing, bringing our brother into the fraternity when you think about Kevin Garnett having his jersey retired.
0: When you think about his impact on the defensive side of the ball, is this a guy that can play in, in any era? Let I mean, look at the offensive side as well.
5: Any side, I mean, I've said it and many times, and people argue me about it. I think, in my opinion, Kevin Garnett is the best all-around player ever to play with the Celtics. No offense to Larry, because I think he was Kevin was not as good as Larry was offensively. But he was better defensively. He wasn't as good as Russell defensively, but he was better than Russell offensively. So you think about his steals, assists, the way he impacted the game more than anybody I've seen.
0: How about that group? Is that group as good as anybody your team's the '80s? Could that group play with anybody?
5: It was a hell of a group, and I mean, you think I think they could transition into any era because they were physical, they were able to shoot the threes, uh, they were long, they were athletic. And uh, they were a smart team. I think that's the biggest thing I look at. them.
0: final thing is on Tatum. Do you see him being that superstar that we've talked about for, for years and years right now? Is that, is that where he is at, top
5: five in, in this league? Well, I talked to Paul Pierce about it uh, last night, and Paul mentioned that. He said that he said this kid has an unbelievable ability to score the basketball and to do things. What's going to make him one of the best
0: Celtics last night, big winners in Sacramento against the Kings, 126-97. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, we can now start to have the conversation about them being the best duo in the NBA. Tatum, 32 points, and Jalen, 30 in the victory. Let's look at the standings right now, and the Celtics have put themselves in a really good position to have home court in the first round now just 11 games left celtics 43 and 28 if the season ended today they would host the chicago bulls in the first round of the playoffs Playoffs slated to begin on august excuse me april the 16th switch gears to hockey now bruins last night four two winners over the winnipeg jets Taylor Hall, who has been fabulous for the Bruins in 2022, broke a scoreless time at 4.47 remaining. He tallies his 13th of the season. Uh, Taylor Hall, Brad Marchand, and Trent Frederick all scored at even strength. And it was uh, Charlie McAvoy also scoring late for the Boston Bruins to put the bees in the victory column 4-2. Uh, for the Bruins, Jake, Jack Stignica played in between Brad Marchand and Jake DeBrus. Stignica, nice play on the first goal. Debruska, a phenomenal play as he was able to trap the puck midair and get it across to Brad Marchand, who then tallied Trent Frederick, an awesome goal for the Bruins as well. He's been huge. That line of Frederick, Coyle, and Smith, in my view, has made this team into a cup contender. Let's hear from Stignica, replacing Patrice Bergeron, who's out for a couple games on that top line. Jack just what does it say to you that you know Butchie's putting you in that spot along two high end players in the on the top line um and giving you that type of an opportunity to to shine
1: yeah like I said I'm just super excited um grateful for the opportunity and um you know you
0: said they're really two good players so uh they got good players over there too so I'm excited to play against them and um I'm just looking forward to it it's uh obviously
1: you know it's a big opportunity for myself and um you know, i'm excited for it and ready to relish it
0: and just how do you put yourself in a place mentally where you can you know, make the most of the opportunity not try to do too much but be yourself and what are the keys for for that um as a player
1: yeah you, you don't want to change your game too much um you know just go in there play your own game prepare the same
0: way approach the game the same way and um hopefully you gel with your line mates and you know, all your legs are going, and uh, you're able to create chemistry and you know, hopefully produce. It was Linus Allmark in net for the Bruins on this night, but Jeremy Swayman has stepped up as the Bruins' number one goalie. Uh, really no uh, complaints about that as he has played phenomenally well. Here's Bruce Cassidy. Hey, but you just got on, on Swayman. Um, what have you seen from him over this last stretch, and do you feel at all that uh, you know with Tuka retiring he has kind of added in the, in the intent to take over this job
1: well I think his intent was to take the job from training camp to be perfectly honest uh he knew that there was an opportunity to get the net it wasn't automatically going to go to Omark the Tuca situation was up in the air even though we had a pretty good idea that his rehab was going well and at some point would join us but we weren't sure so I think that was in his mind from day one uh, the, the, him going down to Providence is obviously not what he wanted. Uh, he handled it very well. And then when he came back, um, and actually when he left, he actually said to us, do I have a chance to be the number one if I get back up here? Um, and and it was an interesting question. And certainly he's taken advantage of that, that kind of situation presented to him. So um Uli's pushing them that's what you want we've said that about every position with the Bruins if you get people pushing from underneath internal competition your team's just naturally going to be better if you have competitive people and we do so uh I like the way it's it's played out uh you know specifically at that position and Sway certainly has that mentality that he does want to be the number one and has played like it
0: now to the standings, the Bruins find themselves two points behind the Toronto Maple Leafs for the third spot in the Atlantic Division. They're currently in the top wild card spot. At least do have a game in hand of the Bruins as well. Bees eighty one points, and they're going to make the playoffs. There's no question about that. Twenty games remaining, just a question of where they end up, and certainly a distinct possibility that they could have home ice in the first round, as they look to leapfrog both Toronto and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay comes in this week, a big Thursday game against the Lightning inside TD Garden. Tampa does have two games in hand on the Bruins, and they are three points ahead of Boston. We've talked about it before, you know the differences between the NBA and the NHL right now. Bruins and the Celtics are in very similar places in terms of how they are playing, but Uh, The NBA is deficient in terms of having really quality teams as compared to the NHL at this point, where the Bruins, if they're going to get out of the East, have to beat a Panthers team that is really good and plays really fast. Same thing with Carolina. Uh, Tampa is a two-time Stanley Cup champion, defending Stanley Cup champion, looking to win three times in a row. We know Toronto, postseason difficulties, but a very quality team as well. And then you got the Caps lurking in the background. As well. So the NHL problematic for the, the Bruins. A lot of quality teams for uh, for Boston to get there, but certainly they're playing much better. And as I said before, I think that, that third line, if you want to call them that, Coyle, Frederick, and Smith, having that added depth has turned this team into a cup contender where before they didn't have the, the depth. Of course, the trade deadline comes up on Monday as well. Let's go to the NCAA tournament now. And it, to me, The big story of the tournament has been St. Peter's, obviously, with uh, their ability to knock off the Kentucky Wildcats. Um, My bracket's looking all right because the teams that I'm going to rely on, such as Gonzaga, um, to go deep into the tournament, Auburn as well, they both looked really good. Early on, um, didn't like Alabama, so took Notre Dame over them. Villanova looked good in the first round uh, as well. So you know, the big takeaways: not a lot of upsets, um, not a lot of upsets at all. Chattanooga gave Illinois a run for their money on Friday night, but Illinois was able to hold them off late. Coach K is going to face uh, Coach Izzo for the final time as Duke and Michigan State will battle on Sunday. Um, so that's pretty much where things were at. There were some teams uh, that came close in the upset category. Uh, Colgate uh, lost by 6 to Wisconsin on Friday, so they gave a bit, bit of a run there, but overall, you know, the teams that you would expect to have success outside of Kentucky have not just won, but they've looked they've looked good. It's been those, you know, 20-point wins. They get a little bit of a push from the opposition, but they're able to close them out. So, overall, it's been a good tournament so far. The game's been fun to watch. And it's been a tournament for you know the higher quality teams in which they have had more success uh, in this NCAA tournament. Continue to watch baseball. Carlos Correa, he was not rumored to sign with the Minnesota Twins, but that's where he ended up. Carlos Correa going to the Twins on a three-year deal worth about $35 million a year for Carlos Correa, Red Sox, said to be in on Trevor Story. He'll have a decision in the next couple of days. Story would play second base for the time being. Of course, Xander Bogarts has the ability to opt out after this season, so that would perhaps stir some drama there as to what Bogie's future was going to be with uh, Trevor Story waiting in the wings and-, and viewed as being a better defensive shortstop than Xander Bogarts, who does not want to move off of that spot. We'll be back with you next week. This is the Press Pass. I'm Chris Ryan.